Alex, what's up, man? How you doing? Well, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good, I guess. Like, I mean, just enjoying my rest day. You, you always seem to catch me on my rest day when we do stuff like this. <laughs> hey, what do you usually do on your rest day? What's a rest day? Do you just like totally chill? Oh, it depends. I mean, sometimes you can just go out for a coffee spin. Uh, I mean, I know this doesn't sit well with Patrick and Brandon, but I just love coffee spins. I like to go like 20 minutes to, to cafe, sit there for a few hours, and then 20 minutes back home. That's my that's my uh, perfect day, especially when it's really warm. Oh, you're but, sitting there for a few hours. Okay. I did, that's a, yeah, that's, but you, that's yeah, a long trip, but, but it is a rest day. I get it. But Yeah, but usually like you have to understand like the coffee culture and like in Europe, I mean... I'd say example, like when you're in Holland or in Belgium, like you can have lunch, you can have everything in a cafe while sipping on a cappuccino or something. And it's, uh, it's so good or, or Italy even better. But how usually like now that I switch, switch coaches and I started working with Josh, Josh Hunt, which you yep, met, yep. Uh, it's usually just a full day off because I'm like doing either two, two day blocks or three day blocks added in with the gym work. So yesterday I did five hours with a friend of mine which i haven't seen in two years so we did a bit more than i should have done but yeah i'm just full day off maybe i'll go like for for a walk something like that just chill try to try to recover and at the end of the day it's only october i mean i don't i don't have to like do anything crazy now for sure for sure um oh there's something you just so when you're sitting there at the cafe sorry to go on you'll into this a bit much <laughs> are you having like if you're sitting there for two hours, are you having multiple drinks or are you just having one and just chilling and kind of sipping on it? Here's, here's what you have to understand. And I had this conversation with an, uh, with the American woman who moved to Slovenia. And he said, like, I don't understand you guys. And I said, why? And she goes, you buy a cup of coffee and you just sip on it for two hours. And she had to, <laughs> she had to have three cups just to keep up with us because we kept chatting away. <laughs> I guess that's just Americans, man. I mean, it's not a blanket statement. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who aren't, but yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we're just like bottomless pits, just keeping the furnace going. Got to keep intake. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I guess it depends from country to country. Like, I mean, in Italy, usually like if you go just for coffee, just have that small express or whatever you want, maybe have a croissant or a brioche, like they call it in Italy and just go on with your day. It just depends. Like with riders, usually you tend to stop for a bit longer, but it just depends from person to person, I guess. Yeah. Maybe this is a tangent here, but I'm curious because this is like, I'm thinking going into base miles. So my issue I mean, always... I mean, I, I mean if you want like uh, how not to do a coffee stop, I can put me and my friend Fraser. We did a six hour ride this summer. Uh, we stopped under uh, the Moor van Gernsbergen in Belgium and we sat there for three and a half hours. <laughs> I'm sure it's awesome had, though. It's an experience, yeah, had, right? Yeah, but just let me finish this. We had only two drinks, <laughs> two drinks and two mutton tarts, which is like a del- delicacy there <laughs> for three and a half hours. <laughs> and you're just chatting, just having a good time, just, catching up. Just, just chatting. Yeah. And there was a guy having a bachelor bachelor's party, and they dressed him up at a custom. Uh, and he had to ride the cobble, so it was hilarious to watch because they were all drunk. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd probably stick around to watch that. <laughs> but yeah, so, so let I me mean, ask you this though: if it's because it's getting a little colder there, right? I think I saw in the yeah. photos. Yeah. So yeah. my issue with stopping is then like I get all that condensation, all that sweat, you know, and then I start again, and then I'm like freezing cold, you know. So if I I would do a longer stop in the summertime. I try not to stop, but if I'm with a friend, you know, you got to have fun. But in the wintertime, yeah. I try not to stop at all just because then it like makes the second half so much more difficult. Do you find that? 
I mean, I just take my cat off, basically. I just take, take my layers yeah, yeah. off. Or some, sometimes I actually saw this. With the, so when I first started training with pros, I saw that some guys actually pack an additional base layer with them. It, saw, saw, it was like weird to see, but I tried it once and just it's like a lifesaver, just like a tiny base layer and just like it helps tons. But I mean, for me, it's not an issue. I just take my jacket off or whatever. When I usually sit inside and never sit outside when, when it's cold. But yep. I, if it's really cold, I just like just keep plugging away. Like, I mean, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I did a mistake. We did a mistake once with, uh, with a group so it was crazy cold like minus 10 degrees celsius uh just like the whole week and like we found this window of the day when we, when it was between minus two and minus three and that actually felt warm at the time oh my gosh uh, so we stopped at a cafe and when we went out like oh man oh my that was like the most unpleasant experience of my life like luckily there's a there was a it was a half an hour climb up from the town so like that we got warm but the trick was because we went into Croatia, we had to go back into Slovenia. Oh, when, once you crested the border, you had like a 15K descent. <laughs> oh my God. That's freezing, dude. Yeah, that, that, that was freezing. And I still have pictures to prove it from that day. It's like, <laughs> so, so hilarious. But at the end of the day, look, I mean, I don't know why people are against like stopping on rides. Like you imagine you're in the office, like you have your lunch break. It's the same for me. Yep. Hey, I, so, I, want, I want to talk about the base layer thing. So the base layer, you'd swap. the If you were to bring an extra base layer, you'd like go to the yeah. cafe, take your yeah. base layer off, put the fresh one on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to clarify. Um, and then speaking of sitting outside, dude, I had this buddy, Charlie. I don't know if he listens to any of this, but um, we when I lived in New York City, we would go out to this place in Piermont called Bunberries. And he was like, he was a newer cyclist, but he got like extremely hot. So we always, and this mm-hmm. is like, this is like January or February um so it's like whatever 35 40 degrees fahrenheit um and we're sitting outside he always wanted to sit outside and like i'm i would just be shivering outside like with, with my jacket on i'd have like extra gloves on and he would just be feeling great and then with the second half of the ride was even worse because like i was just absolutely freezing um yeah i think it's finding what works for you in those conditions you know yeah and yeah i do like that go inside take your layers off so you aren't sweating and then put them back on when you go outside. I think that's the best way of doing it. I mean, I had the, I had a conversation with my coach George this morning, actually. And just like you were like, this guy, this is, this will go to the topic of the call like we, that we discussed earlier. I mean, we just like with the mental pressure and everything. I feel that these rides are important to have because it's just, it just takes the pressure off you. You can just relax. I mean, this is a, a time in a day where I'll relax, be that if I'm alone or, or, if, or if I'm with my friends. And yeah, I mean, just like I can take those 15 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, like how much we stop just to enjoy with my friends, have a zip of coffee, which I love coffee, like have maybe a pastry or something. And that also goes with the eat, like, with nutrition, I mean, I'm not gonna shy away from coffee. Be that, uh, sorry, from from cake, be that now or be that uh, later in the season. But if you would say if you would say that to me a few years ago, I would be like, "You're crazy." I mean, we, like, who, cake will get you fat. So. <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I think you you have to. It's it's. I, don't, I remember reading this thing about like I don't know if it was. Maybe they mentioned Sky, but um, everyone can relate to Sky, marginal gains and stuff. And they were saying like Mm -hmm. for their nutrition, and I know this is good. This is a topic we wanted to talk on was nutrition with you specifically. Um, 
was there like 75, 25, or maybe it was 80, 20 of like, you know, 80%, you know, on within their goals of like eating healthy. And then 20% of just like, Hey, you got to live your life, dude, have some cake, have some dessert, have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I went through an eating disorder through a mental burnout, uh, overtraining, whatever. I mean, I'm a case study on how not to do things. So, uh, I had a conversation with Gemma Samson, hope I pronounced her name correctly. She's a nutritionist, dietitian, sorry, and she works with World Tour Cycles. So I had a consultation with her on Monday and actually spoke openly about my, like, my eating disorder problems and et cetera. So it was, she basically said the same thing to me, just like, you need to eat, you need to fuel for yourself, but first and foremost, you need to enjoy food because like, if you're in, stuck in a limbo, like I was, like food is simply not enjoyable. You're just like watching a plate and just like thinking, oh my God, like what's this in front of me, you know? Or I mean, this, it's, it's a difficult topic to like discuss, but I think it's important that it's mentioned because that's a real thing. And it's more common with amateur athletes than it is like with uh, pros. So with, with pros, you have a lot of cases, but it's more common with amateur athletes because you have someone, let's say, rider, let's call him rider A, he improves by 20% and then he plateaus. And what's the first thought to comes to your mind how to improve performance? Cut weight. And that's where things go sideways because you tend to, you tend to, you tend to like cut uh, your calorie intake, then you don't have energy, you won't recover, you won't adapt. Adios amigos, we could call it. So all great points, dude. How did you find yourself through your own battles? Was it kind of like, was it like an overnight thing? I'm sure it wasn't, but I'm sure it was a steady process and things kind of got worse, right? Like, did you kind of like progressively like cut calories or how, I guess basically what I'm getting at is how did you end up in that situation where you're like, Hey, I need to change things. I mean, you have to know something about me before. Like I have like that, that disorder, like AHAD, uh, hyperactivity. Yep. So it's not hard to motivate me to do something. Um, I actually, my highest weight point, weight point was almost 130 kilos when I was younger. So I dropped like 50 kilos when I started cycling. It's just like off the bat, like in a few years, just like 20, 25, 30 kilos. Uh, and then I started working with a coach I mentioned, the guy who's the DS in Bahrain. He helped me a lot with nutrition, but it was done in a healthy way, in a controlled way. So that year, I lost the most weight. But what happened was the year after, I couldn't afford him. And I started working with a guy who also raced in the World Tour, but had sketchy methods, to say the least. Uh, and um, basically that's where it where it started to like go south because i just wanted to keep pushing through i just wanted to be lighter because i thought oh being lighter will help me be stronger i'll be a better rider and then i made the biggest mistake of my life probably there was a big boom here with a few athletes tried the high fat low carb ketogenic however you want to however you want to call it approach and they got really strong uh, one of those riders is actually local to me. Another one is just from the country, really successful cyclist. And me and a friend of mine, we tried this. Uh, we tried this and we both got light. And that, this comment he made synced a few years later. He goes, sends me a text on WhatsApp one day, like you should try to add BCAAs to your, uh, to your supplement range because I feel like uh, I feel better after, after that. And what me and him did, we just basically put our bodies into a catabolic state. We didn't burn fat. We lost muscle. We lost muscle. 
So, uh, I, like, I mean, the sad story of this is the guy who actually gave us the advices later uh, refused to take a dope test and was suspended for four years. So, like, draw your own conclusions there. But um, I wouldn't, if I could go back a few years and just, like, say, no, just fuel efficiently, don't worry about weight, your body will adapt naturally. It's just, like, being fueled is so much more important than being light, you know? I mean, it's just like, um, it's like a car running without petrol, basically. Dude, so, I got so many questions for you here. Yeah. What, and I know like this, we could, we could talk for hours on this, but high level, were there any big differences when you were with the Bahrain guy um, and he was working with you on your nutrition and then comparing that to how things were with the next guy? Um, were there any like big things that stood out as differences? Like what are some things that worked for you? And then what what are some red flags that happened with the second guy when you were like, you know, I'm not feeling great about this, but I'm going to commit to it. I mean, basically there were sketchy devices to be fair with the second guy, like faster training and what you have to know about faster training, faster training suppresses your nerve system. So it's, it's, I mean, for some people it does work, but it doesn't help you to lose weight or it doesn't help you to to improve your fat fat metabolism i mean it does to a degree but uh, you can also do that like while eat while consuming carbohydrates what worked with the first guy was that um i had like a variety of different foods he actually prescribed meals for me i have a diet diet plan still saved it was uh, like the variety variety was uh was amazing like he prescribed he gave me like 10 or 10 or 13 different menus and I could just pick what I liked. And that was the thing. It was so, always something different. It wasn't like the same with this guy. I actually gave me an advice. Just take a tablespoon of olive oil and go ride for four to six hours. I mean, I, mean, I actually heard um, Sean Yates, who was a coach in Sky, he did this, but that's just old school sketchy methods. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... Uh, Pit like that any young rider can fall into because I have ex teammates who like also fall into the pit and then I just like you when when you confront them like you're on the verge of an eating disorder and I was like no I'm not no I'm not but you, you're obsessing over freaking salad come on and is the thought <laughs> process there like hey this has worked for whatever the other ex pros or is it like I'm sure it's a combination of this. Like, yes, this has worked for other people. It definitely, if it worked for so-and-so, why it could work for you? And then also I'm guessing a little bit of like, what, you can't handle this? Like, this is like the hard man style. Yeah, yeah. more or less this what you mentioned. Like, as like I said, like, I can't do this. I mean, I just told him like, I'm going backwards. I can't like push through. I, I think he prescribed me an interval session, but it was an interval session. Basically, there was no structure there to be fair, even when training. So it was just like he would send me a text in the morning and uh, like you do X, Y, and Z. And I think it was just like hit a few hills, like it's 350 watts or something. I was just slightly above my threshold then. And uh, I couldn't do it. I was basically crawling at 250 to 270 watts. I just remember that day because it was crazy cold uh, and just like a bad day overall. Uh, and just like, you have no energy like i mean and then his response was how can you how can you not do it i simply can't i mean it's just like it's difficult to explain i don't i don't even understand like what goes through a person's mind when he sends an advice like that to someone i mean 
now when an athlete asks me about nutrition, I just said like, eat your carbs, eat your carbs, eat your carbs. So, yeah. So what about in that process then, was it, did you, were you starting to like fail or not feel good on like a few workouts or was it every workout or what was the pattern there? You have to also take into consideration I was working there and then more or less full times at a gas station and I was rotating between four shifts. So to, to add that in, uh, it made it made, made it even worse because you had that added stress like not sleeping, chef work. Just, um, I was failing constant workouts and then you, you it's difficult. Then you end up like finding yourself binging on food and etc. So it's 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 it was it wasn't a pretty time, but then again, I didn't have the support I have today, and then I didn't have the knowledge I have today. So, um, yeah, I mean, if someone gives me an advice like this, I'll just tell them to, like, you know, go where. So for sure, uh, man. Well, it sounds like, but but I think a big message here is you could tell if something was wrong. I mean, even outside of the workouts, you knew, like, hey, I'm not feeling right. Like, I'm hungry. Actually, uh, but, no. Actually, no, no. Okay. I, I did. I didn't know just because I thought this, it's it's like a it's like a part of the process. Like, I'm gonna get better through this. Like, it's it'll pass, but it didn't. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I got to the point, like, uh, I was just, like, counting every detail. Like, you mean, I had that app for my fitness pal. I was counting every detail. I mean, just, like, I was weighing myself 10, 15 times a day. Now, if I weigh myself multiple times a day, I just like to make sure that I, I drink enough. Yeah. Because I tend to, I tend to forget. But, uh, like, otherwise, it's just, like, you know, it's mad. I mean, it's madness. But... I guess I'm not the only one who went through this. I have, I know a lot of people and I have friends who went through the same thing. So it's, it's common in cycling, especially as you try to move up on the Richter scale, so to say. Uh, but there are also stories that are not told amongst amateur athletes. I mean, I have a fair few athletes, which I'm allowed to share their stories also today. Uh, be that male or female, like they both, they all go through the same things same emotions that me or you go through for sure. but for them it tends to be even worse because you have to count in they probably have a family they have a full-time job i don't have either i'm just i'm just a full-time rider i can come home put my legs up and it's a bit easier if i fall into it that that i mean it's not easier if i slip into that habit but it's it's it doesn't put so much pressure like if someone has a family i mean it does play with your head but it's still different. Like if, if let's say at that point I would have a family and you know, it's, I think for amateur athletes, it's even worse than for the, for the ones for do, who do this full time. Well, I think there's a few things there too, dude. I, I want to go back to some in, in regards to you, but if in regards to what you're talking about, like we have a family, people have different goals, right? I'm saying yeah, like, yeah. yes, I think for you, um, maybe it was a bit more intense in one regard because like, this is your ultimate goal. Like you're like, the cycling is my life. But for the other people with families, maybe it's like, hey, I can find these. Maybe that isn't their ultimate goal. They want to be good at the Sunday group ride or whatever, whatever their goal is, their upcoming event. But they're trying to find those marginal gains where it's like, okay, I have less time on the bike. I can eat less and bring my weight down. So it's like, ultimately, you, it leads to the same outcome, you know? Um, yeah. But what I wanted to go back was the red flags for you. And just for anyone listening, if they're like, I know like now you have much more context of this. You've been through, you came out the other end. But if people are in the midst of this now, like, what were some red flags there? Like, people always talk about, like, like what was your general, how was your sleep? Like, people talk about, like, sex life, Horrible. you know, like, your drive. Okay. 
I mean, sex drive that was never a problem for some odd odd reason. Like usually that gets affected first. But sleep, sometimes I still suffer from from sleep deprivedness now because you just get too hungry at night. You just cannot sleep. So I was talking with Jem on Monday and I just like, she answered a lot of questions that no one could before. So basically what I had was like a case of bulimia plus uh, I think it's uh, the official term term is uh, red S. So like um, relative energy deficiency. Okay. So uh, that can take up to a few months, even years to recover from. I mean, it's just bad sleep is number one, groggy mood. Like you just think about uh, what, you, what your next meal will look like, obsess over the smallest things that you eat during the day, your body image goes to hell. Sorry for the expression. Uh, and yeah, and so on, so on. I mean, just like, it's endless. Like, I mean, I think ultimately food, when food starts to think become the enemy or you start constantly obsessing about that, that's a big red flag of like, yeah. okay, hey, maybe my priorities are a bit shuffled here, you know? Um, but no, I think this is good, man. This is a really good topic. And, and thank you overall for sharing all this. I really appreciate wow, it. No, I think no everyone's really going to appreciate this. But I know you said you had some stories, man. So I'd love to hear some of your, your athlete and some friend stories. Yeah, I can share a story of my former training partner. And just to put in context, the guy is not even 24 years old. So and he's already out of the sport. And to put in context, again, we're talking about a rider who participated in, he was a national champion, junior under 23. He took the overall win in, in an under 23 and elite win at nationals, competed for his country at European and world champs. So that's, that's, that's what a type of rider we're talking about. So this will be maybe a good story for people like who have kids in the sport, but also just like for people with families, because this individual was basically um, his family took him out of the sport because a family member put too much pressure on him. And just like, it was unbelievable what they did with him. Just like he take, make, makes a joke often. Like I did six hour training rides back to back to back. And there was three three hours in front of the car, three hours behind the car, because his his family member would just like follow him around with no rest zero, and to top it off, he was still going to school at the time. Uh, so uh, we became good friends around I think 2018. That time, he uh, managed to sort me a contract with a team, so I went to sign the contract, and we became really close. We're still really close. Uh, and a few months later, he goes, well, I'm thinking of going back home because he was in a foreign country back, back then. And that, then it's, things started to come out slowly. And as we became closer and closer, he started trusting me with more and more things. Uh, then the year after, he signed with a team here, really good elite team, like actually from my hometown. Uh, and... Uh, he also took the same coaches I had. So Jake, Jake Collins from the UK. So Jake did, did like the best he could to help him, but there was no point of return. I just remember like he could do one day and then he was fried, like had no energy. He couldn't train just like mentally, physically, he was fried in both aspects. But if you put him into a race, he was fine just for training. Like he was done, like done and dusted. Uh, 
and like the funniest the funny side of all this is he actually became national champion that year with a, <laughs> he didn't ride a bike he didn't ride his bike for 10 days prior to nationals and he won it <laughs> so i mean that was i was actually we had nationals on the same day I got dropped. I was sitting on the sidelines in the fit zone. Like my phone rings. I, I'm national champion. <laughs> it was like, how how can you do that? <laughs> so that was a silver lining. But then he did he did the European Games after that, and then that was his last race and like Bon Voyage. Uh, but now, like we had an open conversation about two weeks ago. At his lowest, his weight was around 60 kilos. Now, like he he stopped like two years ago. He's close to 90 kilos now. That's how badly his body rebounded. And he hardly changed his eating habits. He eats like a normal person. But just like his hormonal status is just like, don't, don't even his head. Still like, it's, it's insane. So what was it? Was it just like, he was just sick of it? I mean, it was just, he was just sick of training, right? Was it just, or? Both, his body and head, both. Yeah body and head like i mean it's something that like you would have to meet the person you would have to meet him in person to actually actually see this in context like uh it's just something like uh that's it's it's really difficult to explain i mean i'm like because i'm involved uh, i'm involved there we were training partners we trained every day i saw him like if he didn't have anyone to train he would like even not not go out training i mean it's uh it was it was a really dark time for him, but I'm glad like that he's slowly getting getting rid of it. But like his body will still like suffer for the next probably few years until this is this gets sorted. When he looks back on it now, does he can he see things clearly of like where things went wrong and if yeah, if he yeah. were to go back and adjust it? Okay, did he yeah, give you? That's sorry, sorry to cut you off, but the thing is, he couldn't change anything because his family member at that time thought like, "This is the best for you. We have to do." Even he had a really good coach who worked with World Tour riders, and even the coach didn't have anything to say. What his family member said, that's how it was done. So I mean, that's like number one goal. If you have kids or if you have a family member, like don't intervene between a coach and a in an athlete never, because like then th- things will go south, and that's also a sign a bit of manipulation or like control. So let's say, let's say that you have someone interview uh, like um, coming between you and your coach. I mean, and just like telling your coach, oh, he needs to do X, Y, and Z to become better. Like, that's a sign. Like, just like trying to control, and it's gonna fail eventually. But you're gonna be the one who's gonna pay the price for sure, as he did. You know, I talked to Josh, your coach, Josh Hunt, um, yeah, yeah. last week, and we're trying to do it again. There's a story there in regards to the interview, <laughs> but um, no, but we talked a lot because he specializes in like he, in like junior riders and like younger guys yeah. coming up. And um, one of the things he touched on was like just the freedom in dealing with a younger athlete. I know we're going on a tangent, you and I right now, but I think this is good is that if you, if anybody listening has kids or is, you know, mentoring anybody younger, it's giving them the freedom, especially if they have a coach for sure, like don't intervene, but if they don't have a coach, allowing them if they want to ride one day or take a day off or ride the mountain bike, ride the road bike, ride the cross bike, whatever they want to ride. Or if they don't want to ride at all, if they want to go play soccer or basketball, let them naturally come to the sport. That was one thing that Josh really focused on was, you know, there are, there are definitely, you know, younger athletes who are driven, but you can't, you know, emphasize that too much. It's allowing them to make their own path, choose their own path. Yeah. But I mean, you have to also take uh, in consideration with kids here, Kids 
tend to, especially that, that that's at least my experience, like from other other cyclists, other athletes that that I'm um, that I know. Uh, it's if they if they start super young, they're bound to like fiddle out of the sport really early, and you have like con, con like numerous cases of guys being predicted to be the next superstar and he just fell out of the sport by age 21 22 just because they started super early and there was like so much pressure on them to perform and just to like uh invest their time into training as a teenager like when they could be doing other things and also just like from another point of view you need to try other things because it will also you get to know your body better that's number one you'll develop other skills through other sports which is because on a bike you just like sit still and pedal right so i mean if you run like it's just it's just, just going to be healthier and more mentally fresh that's why pretty much roglic is so successful he came late into the sport he's now 31 32 he's still hungry yep um and i mean that's it's just like you have like a lot of cases, like I said, like riders starting really, really early and then fiddling out. I mean, I raced uh, for a few years in Italy and that's like, like the most common case there. I met a guy, actually, I met his family because uh, in a race in Austria, he was riding for one of the best development teams in Italy, like was predicted to go world tour in a few years. And I met his mom and dad on the feed zone after I dropped, dropped uh, from the race. And he said, oh, this is my son. Uh, he has this and this offer already from this and this team. And then three months later, he makes a Instagram post uh, because like my head is done because of burnout. I'm deciding to call it quits. Thank you. Thank you for the last 15 years. That was the best, basically his post. Jeez. Yeah. But it's again, he started when he was five years old. Yeah. Fill it out by age 24. That's rough, man. I feel like you see that more and more often, unfortunately. You know, I have, I don't know, I'll keep it high level here, but I know of some athletes from cyclocross, you know, men and women, very up and coming, very talented and winning U23 national championships. And then now you don't see them at all. And they're working at bike shops, which is, which is awesome. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. It's amazing, but it's just, you see that talent and you're like, what happened there? You know? And I think it's just a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, just like it's just pressure. You get sick of it. You had enough of it, and I mean, that's that's what I that's what I think. Like in a sport like cycling, the best age is to start like between fifteen and seventeen years old. Like when you're approaching the end of juniors, you still have time to learn. Even like you to learn the basics, how to race. A lot of people will say, "Oh no, you need to go through the whole pyramid of cycling," but there are more and more cases proving that you don't have to do that. So I mean, it's just like. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you mean by that? What do you mean go through the whole pyramid of cycling? I mean, I was reading uh, with a, an interview with a coach recently. He is, uh, he is, I think, about 65 or 70 years old, like really decorated cyclist. And he said, like, that he is an athlete, he coaches a world tour rider. He said that he is a decorated athlete. He went through the, went through the whole pyramid, so he knows his basic, basics. And he highlighted Roglic. He basically said that Roglic still doesn't know what's he, what he's doing in a bunch. He doesn't know how to move up. Well, that may be true. And that in some cases that he still doesn't know how to do, how to do things that does that. How can I put this? That just makes him more hungry to like learn on his mistakes. For like sure. You see him, he crashes, gets up, continues. Yep. 
No, I think uh, another another good example there too is Kristen Faulkner, who yeah, uh, yeah, was on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who I'll call her out because she raced in New York City. She raced for actually a com- competing team. You know, obviously on the women's side. Um, and yeah, and she's talked about, I'm only going to call her out because she said this in interviews and stuff <laughs> is that getting used to when she's riding in Belgium, you know, she was crushing it here in the U S she goes to Belgium and she's like, I'm not used to riding in a pack, you know, I'm not used to these narrow roads. And she's like extremely strong going off the front and stuff, but she's hungry. And she's like, this is part of the sport. You know, I'm learning. I'm hungry to learn. I mean, a few weeks ago, you did the interview with Alexi. Alexi said the same thing. So, I mean, it's just like, uh, it's just you need to be hungry constantly. Like and if you start in an early age, like you get sick of it. But then also like I had a few experiences like with people who came late into the sport, like what athletes I work, work with. And it's again, the same thing. They put too much pressure on themselves and try to like score perfection. And then, then, they'll, then they'll just feel a lot, fiddle out of the sport because of doing too much and not enjoying the process. Let's talk, so, about, let's talk about pressures, so, man. That was one thing I wanted to mention with you. Do you, cause I know like, obviously you've had your own struggles. Everybody has their struggles, you know, like I'm yeah. saying, whatever they are, their own demons, when they go in, you know, you're in the weight room or you're going out on a training ride or you're lining up for the race. What have you found? Cause you're racing at a very high level over there and you're hungry, man. What have you found are some pressures that you deal with now? And how do you deal with them? I mean, I'll put myself on the sidelines, sideline for now. I'm going to put two examples out. So Fraser, who I mentioned, he has the saying, happy head, happy legs. So if an athlete ha- is happy and perform and will perform the best. I had a conversation with Josh this morning about this because I had some tests uh, this lineup this week and I felt under, under the pressure because I wanted to perform well so, so that I recently signed with a new team. I'm not going to announce the name yet because I still have to wait for the official press release. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I wanted to like show myself in good colors uh, in a good way. And also the DS contacted me last night and he said like, oh, chill, it's only October. So it just like happened. And I put too much pressure on myself and just like happy head, happy legs. You, when you are happy in a good space, you're going to perform well. Going to pressure. So one of my closest closest friends also next to Fraser um she is a female athlete 24 years old she was her numbers are so high that she could be amongst the female pro peloton like I'm not just saying this because we all know that the people who know, know her know how strong she is and her environment put pressure on her to join the Zwift Academy to potentially score a contract which she, if she would she would just roll everyone because she's so strong. And I'm still amazed, like she keeps improving. Uh, and uh, I had a, I think I read it somewhere, I had a conversation with another one. And I was also guilty of that, that I put some pressure on her. But then it clicked in my head, like I never asked her the question, do you really want to do this? And like when I asked that, that, that question and I got no, and we just like had a conversation, it was like, no. Nah. I'm never doing this again with another athlete. Firstly, always ask, what do you want to do? Then like we decide. So that's like the element of pressure. People were putting pressure on her to race, to race and just like uh, to do that Zwift Academy thing, even if she didn't want to do it, you know? And so um, it just like put her in a bad, in a bad, spa- bad space and then she was abusing actually Zwift racing to make her feel better, just to relieve stress. And it got to in the end, it got to a real, real nasty point of overtraining again. But luckily, we stopped it at a, at a good time. 
and uh, yeah, she left unscathed. Let's put it like that. That's good, man. That's good. You, yeah. And you know what? That's the thing too. I think people get irritated, or I don't know, maybe irritated isn't the word, but you look at someone, you're like, oh my god, they're so good. I wish I was as good as them. I wish I had their watts per kilo or whatever. And they're like, they're not even racing, or they're taking a week off, or a month off, or a year off. And it's like you don't know what someone's going through. You know, everyone has their yeah. own pressures, their own inner demons. Um, and yeah, and for some people, as much as we all love cycling, some people might fall out of love or not love it as much. Um, so it's whatever, I mean, it's finding your journey in the sport. I mean, I saw a few cases of a person going from multiple disciplines in cycling and just basically fiddling out completely just because that person was always like trying to strike perfection and trying to be the best the best as uh he or she could uh because again like the circle was putting pressure on that individual oh you're this you're that you're good you're etc but you don't do this i mean at the end of the day like if you're an like an amateur athlete you do this for, from enjoyment you know i mean it's okay my case is a bit different um i race for i race for a team and contracted etc it's a bit different uh but still like then this is why this is why 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 I, why I may why I think that this team is a good choice for me. After a few conversations I had with the DS, uh, he basically said to me, "Like if the riders will be happy, they will perform again. Happy leg, happy head, happy legs, the same way." So I actually managed to open up to my my new DS like quite a lot when we had like a few good conversations. And I feel like I made a really good choice with him just because his understanding, he used to race himself. He used to face pressures and he also understands the eating disorder side, you know? So, I mean, yeah, just like you have to be happy to perform well. And like even George this morning said some of his best performances came when he was the most relaxed and just like didn't like give a flipping F for the world. Let me ask you this, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were to wake up tomorrow or a week from now or whenever and riding wasn't fun would you what would you do lay in bed <laughs> <laughs> you won't find you sorry you won't find me riding if i'm not happy it's it, the example goes like this year like when i was in belgium i didn't feel happy i just wanted to go home and yeah i mean it's just like i just laid in bed to be fair or i went out somewhere i went for a walk i'm not going to touch my bike if i'm not happy because then you're basically banging your head against the wall. And I did that in the past and it got me nowhere. It got me into an even bigger hole, bigger hole that, uh, than I was in. So, I mean, I just like dug my own hole even deeper, deeper, deeper. So that's why, I say, that's why I'm saying like the circle I have around me now is something I could only wish a few years ago. After my people, like I mentioned Fraser, I mentioned Joshua and even others that constantly remind remind me do this for enjoyment not just because you're chasing a dream you know for sure because at the, at the end of the day even like the riders at the highest level they have to have fun and uh josh mentioned me because he is friends with both the Yates brothers like they perform well when they're happy both of them and it doesn't it doesn't matter like what kind of numbers they're pushing out in training if they're not happy they're not, they're not going to perform that's simple and you know what, dude, I want to highlight this because I think a lot of newer athletes, maybe you, you, you get into the sport, you love it, you know, and you're like, I'm never going to, or, you know, it's a few things, you know, I'm never going to get sick of this or 
but eventually there comes a time for everyone when you're like, maybe I don't really want to go out today. Maybe they force themselves to go out. And I think a lesson you and I have been doing, have been in the sport for a while, you know, and mm-hmm. you've been competing at a much higher level than me for a long time, but it's like being okay with taking that day off, being comfortable with, Hey, you know what? I don't need to ride today or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just skip today's workout. Maybe I'll skip tomorrow's workout and leaning into that and taking, be like not putting that pressure on yourself. And things are going to work out. And that's for the longevity of the sport. If you force it over and over, and this is with anything, whether it's riding or diet, that you're really just digging yourself a hole and it's okay. And people at your level, people at my level too, below you, like you gotta, you just gotta be comfortable with it and it's okay. I mean, first you're a bit modest, like you're racing also at a high level in cyclocross. So like, don't, don't, don't be so modest. Uh, but that's where also like the importance of having a break comes in. Like I, I took like 20 days off this year. Uh, sorry, in, uh, this, like let's call it off-season, even if those people don't, don't want to name it that way. And yeah, I mean, 10 days in, I was already mentally fresh. And I te- I, you can ask Josh, like I was texting him, like each day, can I ride, can I ride, can I ride? And each day I got the firm, no, 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 rest. Um, so um, that's where the importance of having a break comes in. But I just don't understand like the psychology, the psychology side of people, like not, even wanting to take a break i mean it's just like you go on holiday from work right it's the same thing you're training 11 months of the out of a year you can take that i'd say five days 10 days if you race a lot even a month off like you're not going to lose anything example uh, after i knew where i'm going to race next year i got a bit scared because i'm stepping up to a much much higher level than i was before uh, and I'm going to face much stronger competition. So I was a bit anxious, like how, how will my body respond and then that I need to train hard, not smart, second one, hard uh, to, to regain it back. But it only took me maybe a week or so to find my legs again, just a few days. And yesterday I did five hours and I was already riding 200 watts. So that's like four weeks into, into, into my training so your body will respond quicker especially as you have like those seasons behind you it doesn't take a, a long period to come back and but i'm not saying i'm not advocating that you take a month off like if you haven't had the amount of race days that, that i'm having or the amount of kilometers i do for sure there's always context for individuals here but i think overall it is a little bit of a, like i think for everyone it's a little bit of less is more you know and taking some mm-hmm. time off isn't going to hurt you i just had a phone call with somebody last night and i coached this guy and it, it, i coached two two friends you know they live in the same area and he was saying oh so and so i heard he's taking a week off like he needs and he's like he's got his own stuff going on and he's like i really want to double down on this week you know i want to catch up on him and i was like <laughs> i don't recommend that i was like well, bad, let's take a week idea. off I'm like, maybe it's not the same week, but I think you need to take some time off. And he's like, yeah, but physically I feel good. I'm like, maybe physically, but mentally, I think you need to do a little refresh here. And I know this is kind of a hot topic because we also mentioned how Brendan put out that podcast recently, how he doesn't take time off, you know? <laughs> and, it, and I think in the context for him, it works, you know, like um, there's a lot of nuance there. And we should do a call and get him, get, that would work out better to get his own opinion. But also, and I don't think he mentioned this in the podcast was, and maybe you remember this, Alex, I think it was last summer. I don't know when it was, but he did another podcast when he was like, you know what? I'm not supposed to have a rest week, but I'm taking, I think he took like seven or eight days off the bike. And he was just like, I'm not feeling it, you know? Cause I'm saying like, he, so maybe he's not taking his, you know, end of season, you know, quote unquote time off, 
but there is that point in the season where maybe he's just not feeling it. And then he just says, Hey, you know what, dude, I'm taking some time off the bike. I want to, you know, reset and I'll come back to it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter actually when you take it, it just, as long as you do listen to yourself, like when you need it, but like my, my example, for example, uh, last year when I went with COVID, I went back to Belgium in middle of the summer, end of summer. And I was frustrated. I couldn't get any racing. And even if I killed and killed people, basically, because there was no start places and like the local riders had the first call. So I came back. I was I was quarantined. I couldn't avoid it. Even if I have the paperwork to avoid it, they didn't, they didn't let me slide. I had to go through quarantine like everyone else. And here, here was my nail in the coffin. I kept training through it. And then I did a full Zwift season. Then by December, January, and actually in December, I was hitting my best ever like numbers on a trainer inside. Plus, top, like add in that also we had a severely strict lockdown. I couldn't leave my local area, and my local area you saw you saw the pictures I shared. Like I'm between two mountain ranges, and it was last winter was cold, windy, snowy. I couldn't it. The few times I tried riding outside, it was minus five the whole day. So no go, just swift. Um. And then January came around. I was fried mentally and physically. And then that kept going into, into 2021. Once like I basically came back to my disordered eating for a period because I was trying to be super light for the Zwift Premier Division. And that backfired also. Uh, and then the glimpse of racing came around and I just nailed myself like 20 hour weeks. And you and me also had a call back then. It's like you, you, you were, you were, you, I think you had to look at my, my profile on WTO. Yep. yep. So, uh, I just like nailed myself like into the ground. It was, um, if I, that's the, that, that's like the, that's like the time where, where a coach comes in handy just to like pull you back. I was self-coached uh, for the majority of the season. And yeah, it didn't end well. Like I, I came racing and I was like fried to the bone. And you know what, dude, on that point, I get a lot of, you know, we do the PFAs, the free power final yeah. analysis for everyone, which are great. And I think this, this isn't everyone. I think some people, some people are really good at self-coaching. I know I'm not, I'm, I don't do it myself because because the same thing happens to me, man. I think this happens. To, I'm saying overall, the pattern I get from people who do this is they're doing too much, you know, and like mm-hmm. they're adding interval days or they're adding a couple hours when they shouldn't be or riding on their off day because they're not sure if they should. They need. It's good to have someone else's voice telling you it's OK to take time off or you don't need this or let's tweak this, you know, let's dial it back. It's OK. So, I mean, I'll sh- so following two examples that I was meaning to share two of my athletes, one is a female, she's a bit older, in her 40s, with a family and, uh, and kids and a full-time job. And the other one is my age, but he just had a newly born recently. So the first one, I'm going to label the female as a rider A, the male as rider B. So the rider A, she came to me uh, last year, and she was also drilled to the ground. I mean, I had her do a blood test just like to see what's happening with her, and I had, and I had to make her. Uh, take 14 days off like two weeks because it, it was that bad it was that bad that like she needed uh rest so we came back into it and voila power went up and up and up and we just kept pushing into new grounds like we had setbacks she had like uh, a few uh, a few hiccups here and there but 
um, it was just like she needed rest. I mean, just like again, it's this is my bug with Zwift. She also used Zwift as a coping mechanism because, like, when she was stressed, she would just like go on Zwift, race once, twice, maybe even three times in a day, but that's too much. I mean, and like if you do this on back to back days, don't recover from it. No. And the second, the second one is also the same. It was a similar case. Uh, he took took a break. Then we started working, and we got we got him like at a re- at a really like um, high level of fitness, really capable of riding great racing on the Zwift Pro level. Um, and then just like life hit. I mean, that's okay. Just like I had to remind him, look, it's fine. Come on, like it's gonna be okay but he had a bit of a hiccup that he didn't tell me um so he had this important race and he restricted his calories heavily just to be light because before those big zwift races you have to weigh in and um i actually sat on discord discord is uh, the same app as we use and i was basically let's call it in the team car dsing him um and he just pulled the plug like 20 minutes in. I was like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong? And then it's like the next day he calls me and he tells me like, oh, why did you do this? Like, I mean, restricted his calories severely, didn't even refuel afterwards. Uh, he said he was so dizzy, like, and he had to, he even did a four, four or five hour drive after that. Well, it was, it was insane. Then like, we we got we got it back together. He had like a few setbacks in between, just because life newly born and etc. And then last Sunday, <laughs> this was the most beautiful text I received. So he's based in the states. Like it's a time difference between us. I get up in the morning, I check my phone, and it was like, dude, I just had the best race of my life. I opened training peaks all time records, like through all parameters. That's like, awesome, all- man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like. I just had to get him to be like support him and just tell him you have to eat like doesn't matter how light you are but then again like when that's also that also goes back to nutrition weight loss is a side effect of a good training program uh, a good a good let's call it nutrition program and low stress if you're stressed and if you're obsessing over things you're not going to lose weight you're going to gain it because your your hormones will be out of whack 100% dude so I mean, it's just like uh, weight loss will never happen. Will will never happen once you're stressed and just obsessing over things. I want to this this brought up a good point, dude. I was when I did that uh, Alexi um, interview last week. Now he was talking. He made a mention of Riley Amos. He was at the oh, I can't think of what race it was. Oh God, it's like a big mountain bike race. I don't know why I can't think of the name of it, but he said that Riley was off the front and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. We talked about it, but I looked it up afterwards and Riley's this young, like 19 year old, like amazing mountain bike phenom. Right. And he went off the front for, I don't know, an hour, 90 minutes or something. And I think for the entire day, he had two gels for the entire mountain. This is like, whatever, I think it was like a three hour race or I could be wrong. I think it was something like that. And I looked it up afterwards. He, he ended up he found Riley was off the front. He found himself on the trail riding backwards. He was all confused because he saw the other guys <laughs> coming at him and he was like, I don't know what's going on. So he ended up like turning around. I think he sat down for a little while. He ended up getting third on the day. He was like in such a dark spot, but he had to sit at the finish line and he, he just couldn't even stand up. He was so dizzy. Like he was just like, didn't know where he was. And he was just like, and you can read the Instagram post. Um, and it was just like, Oh my God, such a dark day. But 
he just didn't, you know, fuel and hydrate properly. And like, that's, that's dude, it can like really mess you up, you know, I mean, he would have had to win. This, sorry. This happened to me this year on a training ride. So I made a bed, bet with Fraser and <laughs> I'm going to tell the, four, the story to the full extent. So I made a bet with him that he won't finish in the top, in the top, in the top five of a certain race. He was going really well. And then he, he made it onto the podium. <laughs> so the bet was I, have, I had to do uh, between 230 and 250Ks. So I did this loop once before. It's around 240Ks. But I chose the, the worst day to do it. I was already on the verge of being fried. It was a public holiday here. It was stupidly hot. And I had to ride for a good 60Ks with no water, no food. So I managed to find, I was already like 120K in. I found like, so just to put it in context, I had to ride to like to a valley and it was so hot in the valley. It was like, my head was like melting. I was dizzy the whole time. So I got to this gas station. I emptied like two, two liter bottles, Coke, two packs of Haribo and I bought like I don't know how many Snickers the only good thing was I had like a 30 minute climb and it took me up and almost to 15 not 1500 almost to a thousand meters so it was a bit cooler there but I had to descend on the other side towards Italy and then it was like an oven there I had to ride home so from that point to the next climb there was about 60k and there was like another category to climb. I basically parked it on the top of the category to climb and I burst into tears and I'm not lying. <laughs> I, I was so close to calling home to someone, please take me up. But then I managed to like, I stopped again, like at a gas station, just like refueled, go got some fuel in and just like came home, had a shower, <laughs> crashed into bed and woke up 10 hours later. <laughs> Dude, this is this is actually a good topic, man. We should do on one of the bike radio calls about when the experiences that you've had of call, pulling, calling, making that call. Because I've made that call before, but I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to make it home, you know. And I've called my wife, and I'm always like, oh man, I'm really setting myself up here. But sometimes, if you find yourself in a in, in that deep of a hole, dude, like you got it. Like it's what's it's what's best for you. I mean, I never made a call because of that. I made a call like last week when my crank fell off the bike so i had to call okay. it and nearly, yeah, kill, yeah. And nearly kill myself when i descend but i made also a call like a stupid call in belgium once so i was warned to not go out because it was crazy windy and stormy so i had to take the train from kortrick to the to um, to another to another town and had to call my house my house mom to, to come to pick me up because it was so windy so stormy like i couldn't ride i made calls like that but never because because I couldn't and couldn't get home. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just like you just need to sometimes, like like you said, more uh, less is more, and you're not gonna like get it wrong if you just pull the plug, uh, like reset, like rest, refuel, and you're not gonna even go wrong with consuming more fuel than you need to. For sure. Early so, and on, early and often, man. That's what I always say. Just, yeah. just start eating. But I mean, especially like our bodies are are weird in a way, but they also adapt quickly. So this is also like with calorie counting. You cannot really predict how many calories you need or how, mu- how many grams of something you need, you know. Uh, let's say I used to count when I used to eat like 1,500, 1,600 a day. That was not enough because I was training four hours a day. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, you really can't predict. Like, so Gemma, he, she basically gave me uh, an example of a rider who increased his calories. So he's a professional cyclist from about 2000 to he now eats between three, I think she said six or seven per day. He got leaner, lighter, and faster by eating more. I'm sure it's also in the context of eating the right calories too, you know? Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah, if, you yeah, for sure, for, if, for you, sure. if you jump foot, like, I mean, it's just like, no, no, I have to eat healthy. I mean, yeah. But, oh man. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a tricky topic. And like, I mean, I'm pretty sure you also been in this boat, like yourself. It's just like, uh, like I said, like the first thing you think about when things go wrong, it's like, I have to cut weight to, to like, it will help me be stronger, faster, improve my performance, but it doesn't work. I mean, it's weight loss should always be a side effect of training. And I started working with an athlete a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, I just told them weight loss will come as a side effect. You have to fuel for the work required. And even like majority of people now are doing indoor training. For indoor, for in, indoor training, you actually need to consume more than you think, because like muscle contractions don't stop on a trainer because you're constantly pedaling. Exactly, dude. And the same thing on that same point, riding outside in the cooler weather. I get so many comments oh, yeah. where, yeah. you know, I didn't even go through one bottle, but you know, it was cold outside, so it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, no, man, you got to hydrate. It doesn't, you're sweating just as much, even if you don't feel it, you don't feel like you're working that hard. You are, you need to even hydrate even more in the colder weather because you don't feel it, you know? Um, People, people struggle with that, but I wanted to say, dude, on my own journey, I, yeah, I try to eat as healthy as I can and don't get me wrong. I love eating pizza. I love all this, but I have my wife. She's like, we're not eating healthy all the time, you know? So that's why I have that 80, 20 there <laughs> and, and we'll get takeout, you know, like once a week and it's, it's fine. It's finding that balance. You know, that's what I found that works for me. It's um, yeah. Yeah. You need balance like with everything in life, especially with nutrition. I mean, um balance is key i mean also josh like told me i had some questions lined up with him because also in terms of nutrition i started a bit too hard this winter and he just like said to me balance mate balance it'll be all okay like i mean you're training your full time you're just riding your bike uh just every day day in day out you need you need the energy for it but also just like you need to also protect your body especially in the winter like if you under consume getting sick is so easy that's like i mean i also live in a colder climate i mean maybe this winter i'll be lucky so that i can spend a few weeks in spain but that's an exception because i'm privileged enough to be in this position but most people don't have that privilege you know so if you, if you ride outside in a colder climate you need to drink you need to eat you need to figure out how to get those calories and I mean, it, it could be through liquids, it could be through solid food or a mix of both, but you just have to get them in. For sure. And then, you know, on that same point of getting sick, man, I'll tell you something that's worked for me. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is going to work for everyone, but I quit drinking alcohol like four years ago. Um, and dude, my sickness has come way, I, I barely get sick anymore. You know, I think that with the combination then of drinking and, you know, I, I was, I was working so hard to get my cat one then um that I was training you know a lot and I think that was just digging myself a hole and I'd come home and have a couple beers or go out with my friends and stuff um and I'm not saying you can't do those things but I'm just saying that really helped me and I feel like I I recover so much better now from you know not having that in my system 
I mean, um, al- alcohol gives you like information, uh, but also, <laughs> so I don't know if I should be saying this, like, but me and Fraser actually had some of my best perform best performances after a, few, a night out. Yeah, but it goes like with this: you're relaxed after it. If you're always tense, you, you just you just relaxed after it. And for me, I still have like a few beers now and then. It's not like always because I'm just not used to it. I mean, maybe I have a, a beer here and there, but it's just more of a social thing. Just like I can relax. I can have my beer. I can have my pizza. Or if I stop in a cafe, I can have my slice of cake. I can just have whatever I want. But just like how um, this weight loss and et cetera shaped, shaped me, a lot of things that I used to crave, I don't crave anymore. So let's say my number, my biggest craving recently it's basically banana pancakes in the morning with blueberries and maple syrup. That's my biggest. <laughs> that's my biggest craving recently. Uh, but yeah, a beer once in a while won't do any harm. But it's oh no, like, for sure, man. For, that's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not making this general statement that you know if you if you're gonna get sick if you drink. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying but see, <laughs> see what works for you. You know, I found that that really worked for me. It's been a good system. Yeah, I mean, just just like surprised, like how me and him both like our best performances <laughs> when, we, when we both had a few beers down the system and it was like the the first three laps i felt horrible i wanted to throw up in my mouth and then i was flying oh my gosh <laughs> yeah but like when you're unhappy you do things i mean just like it's not like advisable but just like it just again happy head happy legs people don't have to walk the same path as i did so i'm hope hopefully they pick up a few good uh, things through this but also i'm gonna highlight here alexi again so when i met alexi was in, at a race in austria and what surprised me how he took time for for uh, his kind kindness to to ride us and just like giving giving me tips and he just like said you always need to be happy and you need to enjoy it like he said that, he, that when he firstly met van avermaet he basically sent, said the same things to him that's awesome, awesome, man. I think that yeah. goes a long way. I think I was, um, we talked on the bike radio about this a little bit. I was talking to Brendan and Patrick and uh, about like getting psyched up for a race and whether it's like, maybe some people go to war or maybe some people like, you know, are calm and collected and it's finding what works for you. But I, I generally do think that being a calm and nice person at a race is always going to be better. He's always oh, I'm saying, not always going to be better, but it's always going to be a win, you know, go in, say hello meet some people and then maybe you need to go back to your car and get on your trainer and, you know, put your, you know, war paint on or whatever you got to do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I when, think- it com- when it comes to racing, you, you can't like, I don't never, I never approach it like that. And even the biggest riders I met, okay. Yeah. They have the serious face on, but like, they're still at the end of the day, they're still like normal humans. They just in blokes like you and me or like females. Um, and yeah, when it's time to fight and they'll fight, they won't know like they won't like care if he's my friend or not but when it i just can't stand when i see uh, athletes take it to the extreme and take it outside of the race but also that it gets too sketchy in a sense that people can can can, can get hurt so i found myself a few times in a situation when like the rider next to me said hey chill out like we all have families at home we don't want to die so I mean, in that regard, it's like, yeah, you can take it as you're going in a war, but you don't know, like, what's the next person, like, what he has at home or, like, what he has waiting for afterwards. 
I mean, I give you an example. This year I was in a race with my mate Arnaud and he was in the winning breakaway. I was still in, still in the bunch and I got dropped later on on the climb. But a guy was taking huge risks and he smacked into a pole, but a pole was like yay high, like metal pole. And he just like went straight forward, head first into a pole. And is it really worth it in, an, in a Kermes race or like just in your normal race? Is that really worth it? Taking a risk to move up to any positions that you end up smacking yourself in a pole, end up unconscious in a hospital? In my, my opinion, no. No, dude, definitely not. Dude, this reminds me of at the when I did a lot of races in Brooklyn and Prospect Park, um, the series, the promoter would always, he would get on the megaphone before the races and he would do this little rap about how this is not the Tour de France. If you're, whether you're sprinting for fourth place or for 28th place, it doesn't matter. You're not on the podium. Everybody has to go to work on Monday. So please just be careful, careful out there. And it was great, man. I think it really was like a reminder of like, okay, guys, like this is supposed to be fun. It's 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Like, let's go about our days afterwards. So a friend of mine, Russell Crowder, Ginger Citizen, if you saw on Discord. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he is um, a Zwift legend, actually. He has this saying, have fun, but don't be a twat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just like, you, you just need to like, protect yourself but also think about people around you i mean bikes can be sketchy the best of times especially in but also for you guys in the u.s you race in half open traffic yeah so yeah i mean it's just it's just I, like i think that's part of the reason why gravel is so big man no cars actually never did a gravel race i rode a gravel, gravel bike once when i broke my bike in, again in belgium i nicked, nicked it from my mate simon like he wanted to kill me afterwards because like i dismantled his his whole setup <laughs> but yeah it, it, it was an interesting experience i just didn't like that white handlebars and i also nearly killed myself on that because i figured like a gravel bike is kind of like a mountain bike but it didn't, turns out it, is, it isn't so i just like went down this gnarly single single trail up, um, over roots and just like I almost had, ended up flying in a tree. <laughs> what do you, so if those are wide handlebars, what do you use on your road bike? What, what are, what's uh, the width? Uh, 38. 38, okay. Is that the yeah, same, 30, is that the same on the, on the hoods as in the drops? 38 the whole way? Uh, no, I, I put my hoods inside because uh, like I, I have, I have my hands like this. So gotcha. it, it's just more comfortable for me. If I could, I would go even narrower so this is this is like the trouble I'm having now because like we're using integrated components on our new team bike. So can I can I please get a 38? No, you can only have a 40. <laughs> so yeah, I mean just like that's a I guess that's a Euro thing. Like it's tilted inside, narrow as possible. I see a lot of people with that in the US though. You know, I see like you famously you see like Remco and you see other guys do it. They all have the hoods tilted in. Um, I've never tried the the hood tilted in, but I ride a 38 as well. But mine flare out. So I have a 40 in the drops. I mean, I saw a more extreme position from a mate of mine, Dan Begum, who also went for the track record. And I think he has a 30, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I think he has a 34 or, or even even narrower. It's basically a track bar and the hoods are so narrow. Like his elbows go like this out. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a really extreme position. But he gets so arrow. I remember he actually had a fight at Tour of Slovenia with a guy from an Italian team because he had the radio in the front, not in the back, to like save aerodynamic drags. And he was like taking the piss out of um, Dan. Basically, Dan 
he responded that yeah you're the idiot here you're running tubs you're running this it makes you automatically slower in the radio in the back like i'm i'm gaining watts and he actually proved it with uh, the track record i mean he so the text me and him had he basically did 370 watts or even less for the track record so that just, that just proves like how how aerodynamics effective for sure dude for sure that reminds me of, so, i can't think what the guy's name was but it was all over i don't know i don't know what race it was but i think it was maybe one of the classics where the guy ah, really, you, ah, you you mean with those extensions well yeah so it was like no stem you know it was like whatever yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. millimeter stem i know yeah. the guy jan van skip i think is uh okay. jan is, i don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly he is actually a trackie and i think he became world champion a few days ago on the track in rube oh wow good for him man yeah, that's amazing yeah no no he's uh a trackie and he races for a quantum team in, in holland uh, he always had like in those extreme positions, like really tilted, and it has like such an extreme reach, just like negative oh, yeah. stem. Negative yep, yep. stem is just like you always when you watch those, those end of classics, end of uh, season races, those classics, you always see him in a breakaway. <laughs> if you see a, a beat a beat cycling jersey, that's him. <laughs> oh man, crazy <laughs> stuff, know. dude! It's crazy stuff. I mean, I still believe in aerodynamics, but just like also. Uh, you have to also find again a fine balance between what's enough, what's too much. Like those handlebars, in my opinion, are a bit too much, especially on our European roads where they're really narrow and twisty corners. Especially Holland or Belgium, if you've never been there, you, you cannot imagine how that that looks. For sure, no, dude, it is. Just, but, you said finding balance. I think overall, everything here in this conversation is finding. It's like talking to Alexi, finding a balance, finding what works for you. You know, a balance in everything, in your diet, in your riding, taking di- days yeah. off. You know. Overall, moderation, find a balance, see what works for you. This should be fun. What, what was the mantra that you were saying? It was, uh, what was it? Happy head, happy legs? Happy head, happy legs. So that's, exactly. what exactly. that's what Fraser says every time. And yeah. just like, every time when I when I annoy him, like when I'm going by, just like, happy head, happy legs. And he would just like send texts, like copy paste them. And I, I basically received a line of text, like, yeah, yeah, begging him on WhatsApp with him. Nice. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, you have to enjoy it. And if you enjoy it you're gonna get you're gonna reap more from it than if you just force purely because you you you're trying to how can i put this into words if you enjoy it you're gonna get you're gonna get more you're gonna get more out of it than if you just like chase performance and uh for sure at the end at the end of the day performance always won't be there and it shouldn't be the primary factor you have to do it for yourself and for fun Awesome, dude. So much good stuff. We're going to have to do another call because I have, I want to talk about Zwift racing. We didn't even get to it today. I want to do a whole call on Zwift racing. Maybe we'll get Patrick involved a little bit too. Yeah, maybe we, we can, we can do something. Always excited. Like, I mean, the first time I was scared, like when I joined you on a call, but like now it's, now it's a bit more comfortable. So well, dude, I appreciate it, man. I think every, dude, there's so much, so much good information here. I appreciate you being, you know, open and expressing, you know, what you've no been problem. through. I think this is great. People can draw from this um and people can reach out and talk to you if they have any other you know questions or anything yeah just please don't put me on spam 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 mail anymore because of, after our last podcast i'm receiving spam mail every day so oh really put me- <laughs> yeah okay. that's not me i don't know what's happening <laughs> i know it's just as a joke like yeah. whoever did this thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right man uh, well dude thank you for chatting and uh enjoy your rest day i'm about yeah. you know it's 10 30 a.m here i'm gonna go for my ride soon yeah, okay all right see ya see you man